Hey, y'all. On this episode of the Born and Made podcast, I am sitting down with a guy that inspires me every single day. His name is Lewis Howes. He is an inspirational rock star. He is a New York Times bestselling author. He is a professional athlete. He is one of the top ranking podcasters of all time. Um, Lewis and I talk about so many different things, but he gets so honest and open and vulnerable with us. He shares some stuff that has changed his life and uh, that I relate a lot to as well. Um, I am really, really excited for you to listen in here because this is a powerful podcast. Um, uh, by far and away, one of my favorites. Take a listen. This podcast is brought to you by the one, the only Athletic Greens. I love Athletic Greens. It is the bomb. Uh, I've been using the stuff for the last three plus years. It is the first thing I put into my body in the morning. It is a green superfood supplement. Athletic Greens is filled with tons of good stuff like 75 vitamins and minerals, prebiotics, probiotics. It's a green powder you add to water, uh, shake it up, drink it down, and it is totally delicious and incredibly good for you inside and out. Uh, go to athleticgreens.com forward slash born. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash born uh, for 20 free travel packs with your first order of Athletic Greens just for you. Thank you very, very much. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, I am fired up beyond belief to introduce uh, someone who inspires the daylights out of me and I think people all over the world. Actually, I don't think I know people all over the world. Um, I would love to welcome Lewis Howes, New York Times bestselling author, professional football player, uh, professional handball player, um, absolute master of inspiration and, uh, and motivation. Lewis Howes, thank you so much for joining me on the Born or Made podcast. My, my man, thanks, Michael. Appreciate you, man. Um, so, dude, I've been, I've been uh, following you for, for quite some time, and, um, you know, you have just... The, the beauty of what you do is, is, is in the simplicity of what you do. You, you, you have figured out a way uh, not only to get to my heart, soul, and mind, but I think, you know, people all over the world. And um, the premise of this podcast is, uh, is, is, is pretty simple. It's, um, it's called Born or Made, and, and I came up with this concept because I, I believe that there is um, a question that, that a lot of people don't necessarily talk about, um, you know, although it's been brought up here and there uh, recently. Um, but the, the question that I pose, people that inspire me and influence the world, um, is this idea of, of, of whether or not you believe uh, that uh, high-performing individuals, people of, of, of your ilk, um, were born with an innate ability to do what you do or you had to be made over time. Um, and, and, you know, it's a really, it, it's a question that, that's super interesting to me. I've had a bunch of people on the show, um, and we have, I would say it's about a 50-50 split. I don't like to get a real answer till the end of the show. Um, but the idea here is to really, to really just dive into your story, because um, I believe that at the end of the day, 
human beings, um, whether they like it or not, uh, really enjoy listening to stories. Um, and then, and then, of course, some of us love telling stories. But the idea, you know, life is is really about storytelling, and uh, and business is about storytelling. And um, man, like, you know, I I love I love listening to podcasts because I really love listening to great stories. And I know that you have a spectacular, um, unbelievable story. Um, so, you know, why don't you just uh, introduce yourself and uh, and and we'll get into it. Well. Um, I'm a human being that has always felt like there's been a calling inside of me for something greater at every stage of my life. From when I was a kid, uh, I felt like I was alone all the time. I felt like um, I wasn't sure why I was here. I remember asking uh, when I would get in trouble at school, I'd be sent to the principal's office, and I would just kind of ask the question, why am I here? I wish I were dead. So I would say that often when I would get in trouble. And I think I would get in trouble because I never knew what my purpose was, never knew why why was I born, what's the reason of this life. You know, if I didn't feel the love, I didn't feel attention, I felt like I was picked on and bullied. I had a learning disability where it's just really hard to focus in school. Uh, reading and writing was very challenging for me. Comprehending anything, remembering anything is very challenging. So I spent most of my childhood in, in a classroom that I struggled in. So I, I just felt like, why am I here? I wasn't getting the love that I wanted at home. I was sucking and horrible when I was at school. And there was a moment in uh, fourth grade when we had a recess every day. And this one day of recess, the teacher picked a couple of the kids from class said, hey, we're going to make you guys the captains and we're going to play a dodgeball uh, game and we're going to split the class in two. You guys pick them one by one. And I remember uh, these two kids were just picking all the boys one by one. And I kind of thought to myself, I should be picked pretty, pretty close to the top. I'm an athletic guy, you know, I'm tall. And one by one, they start picking all the boys in the class. And then I'm the last boy thinking that I'm going to be the last boy picked and I'm embarrassed. But then they pick uh, a, a girl after the last boys are picked and then they pick all the girls and then by default I was the last one to go on, on the team, uh, the last person's team. And I remember that moment I was like, never again am I going to be picked last for anything. Like, I don't care what it is, I'm going to make sure that I'm talented enough, skilled enough, that I work so hard and I dedicate myself just so I never get picked last. That was my goal. And I was, you know, fourth grade, I can't remember how old I was, uh, nine, 10, 11, whatever that is. And um, and that was kind of like a moment where I was just like, okay, I started training every day after class. I would use all this frustration during class that I wasn't doing well in school. And I said, I'm gonna go to the basketball court, baseball field, soccer field. I'm just gonna train all night long. Can I just stop you there for a sec? Cause like, so this, so you, you, this is a conscious decision that you made, and you clearly remember making this decision in fourth grade. Of course, yeah. Got it. I was, uh, I was just like, yeah, I'm just not going to be picked last ever again. Uh, the feeling of being so humiliated and embarrassed. Mm. You know, this, this is like a first world problem, like getting picked last in the playground. It's like, it's not like I was starving or, you know, really uh, going through that tough of a time. I had a roof over my head. 
but uh, emotionally, my inner world was suffering. And I felt like I was under an emotional attack all the time through the pressures of school, getting picked on because I would stutter all day in class. Um, I was in special needs classes because like, I couldn't read and write, all these things. So it felt like I was in a, under an emotional attack all the time. And that was just the decision. I was like, I'm never going to get picked last again, and I'm going to become the greatest athlete I can become. So I just I, the reason why the reason why I interrupted you and, and just and, and is because in telling your story I you know I might I might just stop you a few times just to just to sort of like hone in on one thing you know because I feel like obviously you are going through an enormous amount of adversity at, at an early age which is traumatic for I think anybody whether it's through the through the the, the home life the school life you know that sort of that sort of um, destruction, uh, internal destruction, which I have a lot of experience with, unfortunately, as well, um, is, is, is really difficult. But a lot of people at that age, or a lot of kids at that age, wouldn't necessarily turn around and say, this is the last time that's going to happen. I would say probably the majority, unfortunately, of, of people that go through things like that um, implode and, and, yeah. you know, and, and, and essentially use that ammunition to destroy themselves piece by piece. And so it's interesting that you, you, turned, you turned a corner and said, and you used it in a positive way, and I, and I think that that sort of is, is, is sort of alluding to why you are who you are. But anyway, continue. Yeah, I mean, it's, in some ways I did implode, in other ways I exploded uh, and used it to develop skills and talents to prove everyone wrong in the world about me. And it got me so far until uh, I, you know, I imploded and my whole world kind of fell apart when I hit 30 years old. Uh, you know, I used this, this fire, this negative energy to achieve all my dreams. And from that moment forward, I went on to being the last pick to becoming, you know, a few years later in middle school basketball, high school, football, becoming a starter, MVP of the league. All state, then going off to college, and my dream was to be an all-American athlete. Did that in two sports. Then it was a dream to be a professional football player. Did that. Then it was a dream to go to the Olympics. And I've been playing on the USA national uh, men's handball team for the last eight years. We haven't qualified, but it's always been like chasing this dream to prove people wrong, who picked me last, or who made fun of me, or whatever I was feeling. And until and when I reached 30, I'm 36 now. And then I used it to build a business and prove people wrong there and, and, you know, sell for seven figures and all these things. But every accomplishment I achieved, it's almost like I felt more miserable after I achieved the biggest dreams of my life. And I never understood why I would be miserable and angry within 10, 20 minutes after achieving, you know, everything I wanted, All-American, Professional Athlete, New York Times bestseller, all these things that I worked so hard for, why was I not happy after it happened? And then when I hit 30, a lot of things started to fall apart. Where it looked like I had everything put together, everything started to fall apart. A relationship that I was in, uh, that I moved to LA for a girl, and it started to break down right the day I moved, started to all break down and fall apart. The business relationship I had started to fall apart to the point where I almost got in a fist fight with my business partner in the middle of Times Square one night at like 2 a.m. with, you know, 10,000 people around, we were arguing so much that I almost got in a fist fight. And then literally getting in a physical fight in a basketball game, a no stakes pickup basketball game uh, on 
you know, the safe courts of uh, Beverly Hills <laughs> and allow, and after this fist fight, I was just like, my friend was with me and he goes, I don't want to be your friend anymore. I don't want to hang out with you. Like this, all this anger, all this. And this reaction. is six years ago? Yeah, six years ago. And he goes, I don't want to be your friend anymore. Like, I don't know what's gotten into you. You know, I played college football with this guy. We've known each other for eight years. And he goes, I just don't want to be your friend anymore. And that was a huge wake-up call for me when my best friend is like, hey, something's wrong with you. You know, I can't really, like, keep this any longer. And uh, you've got to make some changes. Otherwise, I don't want to spend time with you. And that's when I really took a look at my life and just said, wow, I need to reflect on everything. Every thought, every habit, every reflection, every action I take everything and I need to take responsibility for it all so I took I, I just started saying okay how have I created this for myself why am I so upset all the time why do I react why do I get triggered can I ask you something you know? though so when you say upset like when you say I'm um, uh, you know why I'm so upset all the time I'm so angry all the time um, are you able to like go back there for a minute and um, sort of determine or, de- or, or, or like delineate whether that anger was self-hatred or self-anger or was it anger towards others? I think I didn't really know what it was. I just thought this is who I am and don't try to change me. You were just fucking pissed. Uh, I was just like, actually I was like probably the happiest guy ever until I was triggered. And then when I would get triggered, I would react and, you know, try to defend myself mm. in any situation, whether it be a relationship trigger, business trigger, you know, pick a basketball game trigger. I didn't know. I just was like, this is who I am. And um, would just defend myself. And so I finally said, okay, I need to figure out why I get angry in these triggering situations. What, what is this thing that makes this happen for me that I don't feel like I have control over? And I started to reach out to every person I knew for feedback, for advice, for coaching, for guidance. I started to do, you know, read books. I started to go to workshops. I was just like, I'll try anything. I got to figure out the root of this. And there was one workshop I went to probably, I don't know, three, six months into this process, this journey. And um, this was like a five-day emotional intelligence workshop. And about halfway through, um, it I opened up about being sexually abused for the first time in my life. For 25 years, I never told anyone that I was sexually abused. And I opened up about it in this experience, and that's when everything started to kind of come out. Every trauma, every shame, everything I felt guilty about, insecure about, I just started sharing it with people and um, letting it out. And I was, it was the thing that I was most afraid of I kept thinking to myself, like, if anyone ever knew this happened to me, no one would ever love me. And so it was something I was protecting and hiding. And then I just started to protect and hide all the things that I was insecure about because if people actually knew I was insecure about these things, they would not like me, they would not love me, they wouldn't accept me, I'd be alone. You know, it's just these stories that I was telling myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, and in fact, when I opened up about the sexual abuse, the opposite that happened all the men of the room like came up to me and you know hugged me and they're like you're my hero and this is what happened to me when I was 10 I was sexually abused or 
when I was seven, this is what happened to me, and I've been afraid to talk about it, and this is what happened to me when I was 12. And people started to connect with me on a deeper level and become closer with me when I opened up as opposed to rejecting me. And so it just showed me like, wow, these, you know, these people actually like me more and, and, and trust me more and respect me more because I was willing to be vulnerable. I was like, what a concept. I never even knew that was possible. I think growing up in the Midwest and where I grew up, I wasn't allowed to express myself you know, within my peer group, right? The sports peer group. I wasn't allowed to express my feelings. I wasn't allowed to show vulnerability. Is that where it happened? In your sports group? I just think it's like, I don't know, growing up in the Midwest, like the, the boys on the different sports teams, they weren't really like welcoming you expressing your feelings. Oh, sure. You but know? I'm saying, was yeah. it was the abuse at in sports? No, no. It was uh, the babysitter's I was five years old, and it was the babysitter's son who was a teenager. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, you know, I just remember being like, it's something I thought about every single day, mm. but there was never a place or time to really talk about it. Like, I didn't know how to talk about it to my parent. I didn't know how to talk about it to the teacher. Like, there was no one to talk to about it that I knew of. So I would just say, well, this is just the thing that happened, and... I try to forget about it, but it was something that I would always think about. Just keep coming up as like a, you know. A it's crazy, man. I mean, I have, I have the, you know, it's so interesting that sexual abuse is something that is spoken about so light, so little. Um, but I have, I have, I had, uh, you know, I was sexually abused as well, and um, and I and I held it, I held it so so tight until I got sober. 15 years ago um, and that's when I was comfortable enough in a room where I was doing a bunch of self-development um, with a bunch of people that were trying to you know just be better at life uh, I, I opened up about it too and it and and it's just so mind-boggling the amount of, of people that have experienced sexual abuse it's really like you open your mouth and you think that you might be the only one you know in a, in a 10 mile radius and then all of a sudden you find out that it's just like there's a lot of people that experience it. It's, it's crazy. Right, exactly. So, yeah. so, so, so you started talking about it and then you just sort of like opened up, huh? I just started opening up and then um, I started opening up about everything. And all my fears and insecurities and shames. And I felt a sense of peace and freedom that I never had before. I remember growing up, it would take me about an hour and a half to fall asleep almost every night. It didn't matter how hard I worked out. It didn't matter how tired it was. It would just take me like an hour, hour and a half. And I was just like, I guess this is who I am. I, I don't sleep well. And it just kind of came to a, an acceptance of it. And then after I opened up about this, it's just like every night afterwards, I can fall asleep in 10 minutes. And I think when we hold in pain and stress and anxiety, it's really hard for our body to be peaceful. And I just never felt at peace within my within myself. And I still, you know, listen, there's days where I still stress out and I don't feel at peace, but for the most part as a human being, I feel at peace. And I think it's because I've said my peace. I've said the things that scare me the most, that I'm insecure about, and I accept myself. I never accepted myself, and this is what I realized later, I never really accepted who I was, and so I continued to chase something I thought I needed to be to oppress people or prove people wrong. And now I just 
fully accepts who I am and I can live from a place of lifting others up as opposed to trying to prove people wrong and it's a completely different energy that is more sustainable and renewable than what I was living off of. So it's just been a, an amazing shift for me uh, of awareness. Now I'm not saying I'm perfect and I've got it all figured out, it's just a much better lack of understanding and awareness for me moving forward. Well, man, I mean, I, I appreciate you, um, you, you being honest, open with us uh, here because I, I, I feel like a lot of people um, really struggle with, uh, they, they struggle with, with having the ability to, to talk about the things that scare them most. Um, and, um, you know, I mean, while I have you, I think it'd probably be a good question to ask. You know, if there are people out there that um, are listening, and, I, and I'm sure that you've talked about this in the past, but if there are people out there that are listening and that don't have sort of that coming to sort of like light, you know, white light moment where, um, where they, they, they begin to understand what it is that, that, is, that is making them so angry or making them so depressed or making them so miserable, um, but they do know that they're holding on to a deep, dark secret that they haven't spoken to anybody about. Is there, is there a, a formula that you would suggest um, someone that has not? I mean, yeah. I think the formula is it's going to be hard for you to come to peace with yourself until you start to share. And I think um, when you share your shame, that's when you can start to heal. So whether it's a friend, a therapist that you, that you pay who lives with confidentiality, uh, where a chat line, you know, if it's sexual abuse or trauma that you've had in your past, one in six dot org for men has a you know confidential chat line, text or calling. Uh, but I think having you know a therapist who lives with confidentiality. I mean, this is why a lot of people go into confession at, at church. I think you've got to figure out a way to share the things that you're most afraid of, and the and and continue to do it until the fear disappears. For me, I did it once, but it was 25 years in my body and in my in my mind of being afraid of living with it. This thing had power over me. And I remember sharing it once, and then I, I shared it again, and it still, you know, every time I shared it, I would still, like, get choked up. I would still be scared to talk about it. And I was just like, man, I don't want to be scared to talk about this anymore. I want to talk about it. I want to get to a place where I can talk about it where my heart doesn't flutter, I don't quiver, I don't stutter, I just share it like I'm having a cup of coffee. But then I have true power over that situation and that, you know, that the abuser of that moment doesn't have power over me anymore, like it did for 25 years. I gave it power by being afraid of it. And so now I just try to do that with everything I'm insecure about, every shame, any, anything, any flaw of mine, I try to speak it into existence and talk about it. And then I can be more aware of it and I can accept it, I can accept myself, and I can move forward in a more powerful way. Powerful stuff, man. I mean, you know, it sounds like you, I mean, but even amidst all this stuff and before you had that moment in life where it was a real turning point for you, you were able to put together so many incredible things. And do you think those things I mean, it's not normal to be able to achieve what you achieved um, before you were 30 years old. It's, it's, it's actually like, it's just not. <laughs> um, and so I think that there was something driving you. And, I, you know, you said it was, it was really sort of to prove people wrong. 
But yeah. what I, I mean, to unpack that a little bit, you're now on the other side of it, and you know you have accomplished so much in in, in potentially a different way. I mean, School of Greatness. I I, I think it's the one of the biggest podcasts to ever exist. Um, and and you you know it's just it's just. I find it interesting that you were able to put so much on the board before this and then and then you had this moment and it just it continued and, and actually amplified um, and you've been able to touch millions of people. What do you think that is? What is that wh- where does that drive an ambition determination the, 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 the necessity the want to make people happy and yeah. true? what is it? Oh. I mean, you, the desire uh like, you're like unstoppable. Before I turn 30 or now? Like before I turn 30 or now? Now. Oh, you know, I always felt like, it's going to sound weird, but I, I always felt like I was here for something greater. I was here for a greater mission. I don't know if you've ever felt this, but I've, I just felt like something was pulling at me. Something was pushing my heart. Something was tapping me on the shoulder. Something was shining inside of me I just felt like and I never knew why why I was like why am I here there must be something greater if there's not something greater then why am I here I might as well kill myself that's literally a thought when I was like six seven eight years old it's like I'm going through so much suffering so much internal pain so much uh loneliness like I had no friends I was in the special needs classes like all this stuff like I was like why am I here if it's not for something greater so should I just end it now or go figure out what this is supposed to be for. And I think I was just like, I have nothing to lose because I always felt like I was a loser. I always felt like no one loved me, no one cared about me, I had no friends. I'm picked last at everything. They're making fun of me at every day in school. So I have nothing to lose. So I might as well risk it all and go for it. And I did that at every stage. In sports, I was willing to sacrifice my body every day of practice, every game. It didn't matter. I would dive after everything. And I think that that it wasn't. A, it was. It was kind of like just being stupid. Probably I wasn't even being smart. I was just like this. It wasn't even fearlessness. It was just like I don't care if I die, type of mentality. So I might as well lay it all on the line. And I think by doing that decade after decade in sports it paid off. Now I broke my wrist, I broke six ribs, I had lots of injuries because I've had that mentality. So I had to learn how to manage risk as well with being kind of fearless, all out hustler at all times. But that energy day after day with the deep desire to never be picked last at anything uh, drove me to you know be somewhat successful in sports and then now at 23, 24, when I was done playing football, I had this skill set. I knew how to work very hard. I knew how to set goals clearly and manifest them quickly because of all my training from sports. And I just applied that quickly. I just said, how can I make my life a sport? What do I need? Who are my coaches? Where's my chalkboard? How do I draw the plays? And I just reinvented myself in the business after that. When I hit 30, and I realized, okay, I can achieve anything I want, but I haven't achieved fulfillment yet. So how do I do that? How do I figure that out? And I started to open up about these fears and these shames. That's when I said, wow, now I have a sustainable, healthier energy that I can continue to improve upon year after year. 
and build upon. I can still take these big risks that most people aren't willing to take because I'm willing to fail at a lot of things and and at least not regret that I didn't try something. Whereas a lot of people I talk to who aren't where they want to be aren't willing to risk that big. And I think that's the difference. Is I'm willing to make the risk. I'm willing to fail because I know it's going to teach me something. It's going to give me a skill set that will help me for something greater in the future. And that's the way I live. Man, I, um, you know, I, 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 I believe that there is um, something in you and something in people like you, um, maybe, maybe not, not with the same journey, um, but certainly that have sort of had incredible accomplishments um, that, that is, is, is unique. Um, and I, I know it's a controversial thing. And, you know, it, throughout this podcast journey for me, it's been like, it's an interesting question to ask because it sucks for people out there that are trying to put some stuff out. Um, and I'm trying to say, hey, there, 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 if, you know, there might be people that are just born this way, um, you know, and that's, and that's why they get to where they're at. Um, because there is just, you know, for instance, in my case, I, I was just willing to, you know, work harder. And, 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 and that was something from like an early age. I mean, I was also, I experienced a lot of the same sort of adversity um, in sort of this self-hatred, dealing with abuse and not only sexual abuse, but like lots of abuse at my house. You know, I came from a really rocky background. Um, and I think I used a lot of that stuff to get to where I'm at too. But I had a big period of time where, you know, from about 13 to 23, 10 years of, of intense drug and alcohol abuse. And, uh, you know, when I came out of that, surprisingly, I was able to really start, start to put my life together, um, which, is, which is, you know, I'm, I feel blessed. Um, but there was definitely something inside of me that I, that I couldn't describe as to why I kept on going and kept on going. And even when I was out there, you know, I was so uncomfortable with myself when I was out there um, in that 10-year period of, of my life. I still figured out a way to like get shit done. Um, yeah. You know, I just I figured out a way to get shit done, and so you know, I just I, I what what are some of the things that you do now um, that are like your go tos for you? Because I'm sure you get down in the dumps um, at times, like we all do. But what are some of the things that you do that like places that you would travel to? Um, or things that you would do to make you to, to just take you outside of yourself and bring you to a better place, um, if you have any. I think, I mean, it's pretty. I think it's just the basics. I think uh, working out, movement, staying healthy uh, keeps me grounded, keeps me feeling good. You know, just the, the natural endorphins that you get from working out make you feel high. So if you ever, if I ever feel down. You know, when in doubt, work out, and that's a powerful way to get back into a positive place. For me, stillness, meditation, and perspective is everything. You know, I can complain about the construction that's happening above me throughout the day right now in my uh, in my space, uh, and how it's loud and it's it's inconvenient, and people are remodeling next to me, and I have to walk out of my 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 condo and next door, and there's crap everywhere. Or I can be grateful that I live in a high-rise building in Los Angeles, California, uh, and can afford the lifestyle out here. 
and have the opportunities to meet people and to be here. And every time I travel to third world countries and I tell people I live in Los Angeles, they look at me like it's a dream that one day they can visit LA for a day and I get to live here. So for me, everything is meditation, stillness, and perspective. You know, I have a very good life. And when I focus on the things that I have as opposed to the things that I lack, it just puts things into perspective and a lot of things don't matter that aren't working out that well. And if it's not working out that well, I put in perspective, well, this is teaching me something to help me in the future. I just apply that principle to everything in my life when it's not working out the way I envisioned it. This is teaching me something for something greater in the future. And I think if we have that perspective of everything, well, man, I went through a horrible breakup at the end of last year and my ex was super vindictive and went after all my friends trying to get them to turn on me and started posting on social media all these lies and gossip and just really like negative and uh, when I felt like I treated this person so good for four years and she was never grateful and um, I could tell myself wow this isn't fair and this sucks and all my friends are betraying me or this is preparing me for something greater. This is giving me a skill, a tool for something greater in my life, as opposed to this isn't fair, this is helping me for something greater. And so I just try to really bring it back to perspective. Also, I look to how far I've come, you know, from a kid who almost flunked out of English class my senior year in high school to where I wasn't gonna be able to graduate to, you know, I wrote a New York Times bestselling book and I, I get to connect with influential people every day and. You know, I get to hang out in New York City and go to the meatball shop. It's a pretty good <laughs> life, you know. Um, yeah, man. I, you know, you, you posted something on social a few days ago um, that I, I, I wrote down because I, I, you know, you posted, you posted your mental, emotional, and physical health should be priority over everything else in life. And when I read that, you know, I... I I first of all couldn't agree more, and I've, you know, I haven't said it directly to my wife, of course, um, but, and it's not like I'm not being forthcoming about it, but like I personally believe, um, and and I think it should be for everybody that if we don't take care of a number one, if we're not content, if we're not, if we don't feel like we are are ready to support ourselves, it's it's literally impossible to love and support others. And so I think, you know, this message just, it, it's such a, it's such a powerful message for me. And I think for anybody listening, you know, um, whether we, whether we think we do or not, you know, we, we, there are, there are many times where we put other things in our lives, like work, like our, our kids, our wife before us. And, and, and I, I know from personal experience, and it sounds like you do as well, that when you put things in front of your personal um, health, wellness, and well-being, it's, it's almost impossible to, to yeah. be of service to other people. Um, and so it could sound selfish, but in actuality, it's, it's selfless. Because, in, in, you know, I, I know for me, like you said, fitness, fitness is a big thing, um, you know, for you. And, and fitness, is, fitness saved my life. There's no doubt about it, you know. When I went through what I went through and then I got out the other side and, and I was introduced to fitness and eating well, 
my life has never been the same. It's not something I want to do. It's something I must do. It is, it is what feeds my soul um, and keeps yeah. me content and happy. Um, and so I just, can you just, can you just get into that just a little bit? Just, just this idea that, that you are the priority and. Yeah, I mean, I think you said it perfectly. I mean, it's the most selfless thing you can do is be selfish and taking care of yourself first. Um, you know, I just see a lot of people in the world who give so much to others and at the cost of them being overweight, them being unhappy, them being broke, but they give and give and give. I think we, you can only give so much when you're, when you're empty, when you're emotionally empty, when you're physically empty, when you're mentally empty. And so our job and our responsibility, I think it's our responsibility, our duty is to be emotionally, physically, and spiritually full at all times, or you know, doing our best to stay full at all times so we have a lot to give at all times. And when we are broke and overweight and needing the, the service of others constantly just to stay alive and, and stay uh, safe and have a home and, and be fed, it's hard for us to uh, create something to give to other people. So it should be our job to always be growing, always be developing and learning and focusing on health first. I think I heard there's some quote, I'm going to butcher it, but it's like, you know, each, each person has a lot of problems in their life until, until they're unhealthy and then they have one problem. Mm-hmm. Because our health, our health, nothing else matters if you're not healthy, right. if you get sick. You know, I, I remember when you, it's like you break your, I broke my wrist and I remember being like, oh, I'm never going to do this stupid thing again. Just please make it be healthy. And I'm like, I'll always take care of my body. I'll do mobility every day. <laughs> you're like, you swear that you're always going to do these things again. Because nothing else matters when you're laid on the couch and you can't walk or you can't do something. So, uh, you know, you're the most probably shredded person in, in, in the, the country right now. <laughs> and, you, and, you, and you know the importance of this. When I see your photos on Instagram, I'm like, this guy's got 3.5% body fat. You know, that's, uh, it's inspiring. And it's, it's, maybe you're like an extremist, but it's like, it's going to be hard for people to get there. But it's like, when you take care of your health and your physical body, you can give so much more to other people. When you are always under stress, always anxious, always uh, a victim to circumstances, then you're limited in your resources of how many people you can support. And that even those people you can't support to your fullest. So you're doing a disservice to other people and yourself. I mean, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more with, with, you know, in my life, it, there is undoubtedly one thing that I know I need to do in order to sustain positivity and optimism. And, um, and I'm not saying that I'm not positive and optimistic um, when I'm not able to get to the gym. Um, but I do know on a consistent basis what has given me, you know, I like to say they're, they're little wins. Um, and, and so I've been able to create little wins throughout my day that are totally attainable. Um, and when I talk to other people at my businesses, you know, people that are, people know my situation. Um, and um, I'm certainly not the motivational speaker that you are um, and have not touched nearly as many people as you have. Um, but I do know that the, the um, you know, this, 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 when we move our bodies physically, 
um, something happens to us emotionally and mentally. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, and it and it's a, and it, and it, and and it is a game changer for me. So whenever anybody really asks me on on social or whatever, hey, what is it? I say, when was the last time you got off your ass and took a jog? When was the last time you, you know, went on a hike or went to the gym? Um, and, you know, and when was the last time you committed to something? When was the last time you actually committed to something? You know? And, and, and stay true to the commitment. I mean, I think, I think those things... Um, man, you're, you're living the best life, dude. You know, I, I'm, I'm watching you and, um, and, and it's just, you know, everything you do inspires me. Uh, you know, what you've done and, and, and I can't even imagine where you're going um, just because you're just such like a... You're a positive yeah. guy, man. And um, next time I come to uh, New York City, I'm going to the meatball shop. So that's where I'm going. Hell yeah! I would love, I would love <laughs> to feed you meatballs and uh, and hey, fish tacos. Every time I'm there, I, I love the meatballs. I need to go to your other restaurant. The uh, you got to uh, check out Seymour's. Yeah, I got to go there. Um, all right, man. I wanna, I'm gonna wrap this thing up, but I just got a few questions before we go. Quick ones. Sure. Um, advice. Uh, not necessarily the best piece of advice that was given to you, but the best piece of advice that you like to give to others. Oh, man. I think it depends case by case, but uh, a general piece of advice is um, gratitude, man. Just be grateful because uh, it's hard to be stressed and anxious and angry when you're grateful. It's, uh, it's contagious when you're grateful and other people feel good around you when you're in gratitude as opposed to, you know, ungrateful for what you didn't get. Um, and I think uh, it puts things in perspective when you focus on gratitude. So be grateful. Be grateful. Um, music that you, uh, or music, genre, or artist that you like to listen to um, when you're trying to relax? Hmm. I'm weird. I, I, I put like the same songs on repeat until I'm sick of them. So I'll listen to a song for like two weeks and I'll just do it like a hundred times a day. And it kind of is relaxing for me to listen to the same song over and over because I get into a flow, into a zone, and I kind of get in a rhythm. So I don't know if there's like a, a specific genre. Sometimes that can be like intense techno music too that'll make me feel relaxed. <laughs> And uh, another time, because I just get into like a flow. There was a, man, what was it called? I think it was called Strobe by Dead Mouse that really got me into the flow. And I, every time I listen to it, it still does. It's kind of like relaxing, chill. I think it's called Strobe. I, I have the, I have, unfortunately, and, and I hope it gets better over time, but I have the absolute hardest time relaxing. I, I Really? Oh, man, I have the hardest time. It's just I, I have such a hard time with it. Honestly, the I think I think that the, the the most relaxed I get is is actually when I'm solo in the gym. That's when I'm like feeling. I bet man. Well, something I did that helped me really relax was I went to India, did a, a meditation experience for like two weeks, and now I can get into a relaxed state because I went through that experience and I trained it, and it's easy for me to kind of go back there now whenever I need to. But, um, Do you meditate every day? I wish I said I did. I want to every day. I did after that experience for a long time, and then I do it you know, once, twice a week when I feel like I need to. But it's funny, because every time I meditate, my day is better than when I don't. 
And so it's just like a reminder. I just got to do it consistently. Um, we have the answers. Sometimes we just don't execute, you know? Is there, and, and, and that meditation, is there a specific, was it like a specific technique? Um, they, yeah, there's different stuff that they, they teach, but there's like a 12-minute meditation that I do with just some like gentle music and they teach you just a different deep breathing and the visualization process that uh, I follow. And, but it's kind of like you got to go through the experience of it for the week or the two weeks to kind of break down what's not allowing you to relax. And then once you kind of, you know, waken up to what you, what's missing in your life, then it's easy to have the awareness at any time. So when you practice the meditation, you're able to always go back to that peaceful state. And I think that's the, that's the goal. I think it's hard to just say, all right, I'm going to sit down and meditate without actually going through some type of experience. Yeah. That creates a, that awakening for yourself. For me, it was a game changer. I've dabbled, I've dabbled on and off with meditation um, over the years. And when I'm doing it, I love it. And, and I, you know, I have this breathing exercise that sort of just, puts me right into the zone um, but for whatever reason uh, I have just not stuck with meditation for long periods of time yeah. um, but I'm gotta, sure I think, I think you've got to do a uh, you should go on a journey with me sometime in India and uh, get you out of your comfort zone I think yeah man you might you myself and, and Nick Onkin will go take a trip there you go <laughs> Lewis, I can't thank you enough, man. I really, really appreciate you. Now I've just got to ask the final question. Born or made? Uh, both. Both. We're all, we're all born with the, uh, the light within us, with the desire to be something greater. Uh, but we have to make the decision to, to make it happen. Man. Dude, you are you are the man. Everybody, uh, Lewis House is a legend. Um, I'm sure you have all listened to him, but you got to check out his podcast, School of Hustle, um, and and you put on these amazing summits. You got a summit coming up, don't you? Yeah, summit of greatness, and uh, yeah, it's every year. Awesome, man. Lewis, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Next time you're in New York, I. Uh, I, I would love nothing more than to uh, give you a high five and a hug and throw some meatballs at love you. Love it, man. I love it, man. I, I might put you out of business and eat all the, eat all the balls. <laughs> I, I, I can eat. That's my challenge. Hey, man. I got I, you. I appreciate it. Bro. Thank you, brother. Thanks for the time.